You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. I'd be walking around in like boxer briefs 24-7. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. One, two, three. It's Mackie and Judd with Rami. With Rami. Like I said, throughout this whole process, um, rumors are spread. Uh, but my wife Jordan and I, we knew all along we were going to end up back here. Um, like I said, Rob and, and my agents worked long hours to, to make sure that there was a way to get this done and I'm excited it's behind me. Kyle's number one, a great teammate. He's a really good good person. Um, you know, I've had, I've bumped into a few people in the last week or so and that was probably the number one question I got, you know, how's Kyle? Is Kyle going to be here and all this and, um, uh, you know, every one of them when I said, yeah, um, you know, they're all glad. So, you know, that's, that's the kind of guy he is in the community and how he represents the Vikings. Vikings minicamp, mandatory minicamp, day one of three today, and all kinds of stuff at scorenorth.com, S-K-O-R-North.com, from Judd Zulgad and Matthew Collar, our guy Seth Auger, social media Seth, is all over Twitter and Instagram. Um, all of our social media platforms are just at scorenorth, S-K-O-R-North. That includes Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Twitch, and YouTube. So check all of those out. Follow us if you aren't already, and uh, we... we we promise you won't be disappointed unless it's one of those morning Judd videos where he's in bed with 19 pillows. And Wait, what? Only then would you maybe... Hold on a second. A you guys, we'll you guys told me to do that, and I did it. <laughs> Can't express disappointment now. You said, do one from bed, so I did. I True. think you should do all of them from bed. There is a bed in our house right now, the downstairs bed, mm-hmm. on which there are, I would estimate, twice as many pillows as the upstairs bed where I shot... The one that you guys questioned the amount of pillows on. How? And I was told by <clears throat> the beautiful Mrs. Olgad that those pillows were to be put in a certain way and they were not to be thrown off the bed. Yeah. Don't touch them. I was it's basically all, pill- I was pillow threatened. Yeah. <laughs> I felt you were pillow shamed. I felt unsafe in my own home when it came to the subject of pillows. And I'm not joking. It's twice as many. Take, they, a, take a video of this for us. Does anybody sleep on that bed? Uh. It was hot out last uh, last weekend, yeah, yeah, and so Judd, we did. Judd does after and so they fight about the pillows. <laughs> yeah, and so we did. So I did, and we did, and yes, it was. But these pillows are when when the bed is made. Not joking, estimate halfway down the bed, it's pillows. It's aggressive. It's aggressive play. Super we aggressive. Need, we have video footage of this. Okay, what did you learn at O at? Uh, I also said OTA. all those pillows and do your next morning, Judd. I easily could. Yes, lay like a. <laughs> <laughs> like flowers. Yes. I will come you. sprinkle me with flowers and I'll lay on the pillows and do a morning jug. That's a great song. <laughs> I, love them. I want oh, you man. just laying in a sea of pillows, <laughs> shooting morning jug. You come over and sprinkle me <laughs> with flour and I'll lay on the pillows and I will do the next morning jug. 
BJ Grapes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like football. that scene in American Beauty, but it's... <laughs> oh. <laughs> wow. Jesus. Wow. That was Rami Makhlouf who went Judd. too far. Rami, Rami went too far. That was not Judd who went too far. I was going to say, normally it's Judd stepping over that line. God. Rami crossed that line and didn't look back, and he's still what going. With, what is wrong with our show? For Sorry. the record, that was Rami Makhlouf. My apologies. My sincerest apologies. Okay. <laughs> so to get back to the subject at hand. Yes. The next thing that, and I did not even give this a ton of thought until uh, Stefan Diggs talked in his short shorts today after the practice. He joined this team in 2015. He is now entering his fifth year here. He's been a very productive player. He's been very, very good. Did you guys realize that that he is now on his fourth, and you could make a very good case for fifth offensive coordinator and fourth QB? That's yeah, it's amazing. It is the 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 lack of so so. Back to the subject of what's expected of this offense and how good should this offense be and that this is a defensive first team. Think about for Thielen and Diggs, two very productive and good players now for quite a few years, the lack of continuity that exists year to year to year. And those guys have made it. It's a testament to those guys that they've been that good and they and they run routes the way that they do. You know, those those guys aren't, they're not gaining their yards like Deshaun Jackson, where he, all right, I'm just going to run down the field and streak down the field and catch 55, right. 60 passes for a thousand yards. I mean, those guys nine are running routes. We call them the nine route, the nine route. Nine I mean, route. these guys are running. These guys are beating defensive players yeah. off the line, you know, off cuts. And so I find it really interesting that those guys are learning new systems and learning them at an expert level, and then having to match up the timing with quarterbacks and vice versa too. Mm-hmm. So, you know, maybe maybe they wouldn't put up better numbers if they had the same system for five years. But to put up the numbers they have with different systems like that is just another notch in the belt of Adam Thielen and Stefan Diggs as best wide receiver duo in the NFL. And the best year that I think that we saw that uh, tandem, but especially that offense operate, was 2017, correct? Which, if you think about it, Norv uh, quit in a huff after the October 31st game against the Bears in 2016. Shermer transitioned at that point from uh, tight ends coach to coordinator. And so the one time that they really did thrive in an offensive scheme and that this offense itself looked fantastic was, was the one year that you had, that you had Shermer going from, you know, being in that role for a slew of games at the end of 2016 into the next year. Mm -hmm. So if, so if you have that, if you can establish just some time for the quarterbacks, coordinators to work w- with this offense, you give it, one would think, a far better chance of succeeding. Yeah, at some point you have to find stability, right? Mm-hmm. You can't keep expecting Stefan Diggs and Adam Thielen to content- to produce at the level that they've produced when you're changing quarterbacks and offensive coordinators every year, right? At some point, that catches up with them. And blocking schemes, too. You need to find some stability. And in the interest of not wasting those guys' careers or 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 being a detriment to their careers yes. down the line here. Yeah. The whole thing, yes. Yeah. So what were some of the uh, – we can we can play a couple sound bites here too because uh, today was – it was mostly about Kyle Rudolph today, but Stefan Diggs had other things to say. Mike Zimmer – I'm just going to I'm just gonna go down this list. We literally have like, like 25 sound bites from today. Okay. Uh, Mike Zimmer on 
Irv Smith, tight end Irv Smith. Uh, some sometimes, um, you know, he blocked a lot at Alabama. It wasn't like he lined up outside all the time. Um, but no, they all got to learn to block. You know, that's part of the deal too. Well, just you know, usually when you line up with three tight ends, uh, you know, the defense constricts or gets bigger guys in there, and you can, and with the guys we have, we can still open up formations and use them to. You know, as uh, wide receivers per se. So, a two part question for you guys football. When they drafted Irv Smith, there was a lot of uncertainty about whether Kyle Rudolph would even be on the team. I mean, there were, there were credible reports from the Adam Schefters that the Vikings were talking trade during the draft Kyle Rudolph to the Patriots, some, some other different teams. A, do you think they drafted Irv Smith as insurance in case Kyle Rudolph didn't sign the contract that he signed today? And B, now that Kyle Rudolph is signed, what does it mean for Irv Smith? I think it's great. If if you're Irv Smith, you should be absolutely thrilled. Uh, let me give you my two cents theory about the question that you just asked. Because, yes, it makes perfect sense to say, well, we might have to trade Kyle and bail on Kyle. And if we have to do that, we need a capable starting tight end. And that could be Irv Smith. But that's that's not what I think. I think they knew all along that Kyle was going to eventually take what they offered. Something. It might not be exactly what they started with, but Kyle strikes me in his quotes as a guy who had no interest in departing here. And so I think that Irv Smith was drafted, Phil, because of one guy, Gary Kubiak. And and actually, Kyler wrote about this and looked into it. And what's interesting is Kubiak's offensive schematics and system do not use a third receiver very much. Mm-hmm. They use your top two, but then they use two to three tight ends a lot. I think everything that this team is doing offensively is driven by one guy, Gary Kubiak. Mm-hmm. So I don't think that uh, at the time it looked like Irv Smith might have been taken in case uh, Kyle was traded or let go. But I ultimately think the real goal was what can we add to Kyle Be- because our third wide out is not going to be that important a player to us. Yeah, I think this is great for Irv Smith. You would have been asking way too much of that kid if he was your number one tight end. He, I think he was one of, if not the youngest player in this year's draft. And last year, this is from Courtney's article, I may be misquoting it, but I think there were eight tight ends, eight rookie tight ends in the entire league last year who were targeted more than 20 times. Mm-hmm. That's asking way too much. Of any rookie tight end, but especially in Gary Kubiak's system, which relies heavily on the tight end and two tight end sets. I feel like tight end is an underrated hard position to play in the NFL. Number one, yeah. at any given moment when you're lined up, you you have to you have to sort of at the last minute figure out: Am I blocking? Am I chipping? Am I running out for a route? And those mm-hmm. things can change based on the defensive alignment that you're walking up to, right? And then you're also like. You, you're the size of a linebacker, and you have to go out there and catch passes, and it can just be kind of a brutal you get beat up beating bad. on your body. Yes, that's true. So this was uh, continuing through our audio tour of day one of Vikings three-day minicamp here. Stefan Diggs talking about getting Kirk Cousins to the next level. Doing what makes him comfortable. Doing what makes him happy. You know, it's going to put us in the best situation. It's going to make us successful. I want to win. That's all I want to win. That's all I want to do. So whatever we got to do to win, you know, uh, I'm all for it. So. And at the QB position, it's already hard. People don't take into consideration how hard the quarterback position is, and everything. Everybody wants everything to go, you know, fine and dandy and perfect, but that's not real life. So um, I'm supporting them. I'm I'm behind them, man. Let's just get this on the road. And the reality is, 
there aren't many quarterbacks in the NFL that have the luxuries that Kirk Cousins has. Kirk Cousins has a lot of luxuries, and the guy talking is one of them. Adam Thielen's a luxury. Kyle Rudolph is a luxury. Dalvin Cook? Luxury. I don't know that they've maximized what they can do in terms of offensive line and produ- and protection, but as far as the weapons around a quarterback, not too many guys are sitting in a better spot right now than Kirk Cousins. Maybe still a below average offensive line. We'll see how this all looks when Bradbury gets there and all the shuffling that they've done this offseason and implementing Gary Kubiak's blocking scheme, but... As far as position players and weapons around a quarterback, Kirk Cousins has nothing to complain about at all. I saw a few sacks, though, today. You are correct. The offensive line gave up. Now, there was one that really scared me, though. I I would have stopped the drill immediately, but they didn't. Cousins drops back to pass. The pocket just collapses, right? But because of this camp, you can't hit the QB. You're, You're just sort of... So he stands there in the midst of this breaking down pocket. And he's got the ball, and he's still trying to pass the ball, and that is exactly where he fumbles. I would have stopped that drill and said, I want you, Kirk, here's here's what I want. You're not going to be hit, but if you're touched, I want you to fall down. And I want the ball to be like a breadbasket. I want that thing right in the middle there. I don't know how you... It made me... It, it was the exact type of thing. I think some dudes just you either have good instincts and make good decisions in those situations, and because it's like you're not... It's not something you can like think through in that moment. It's, it's either something that occurs to you or it doesn't, and it just doesn't occur to him to fold. <laughs> you know, he just. But the only the only guy I have ever seen make an in game throw from the type of breaking down pocket I'm talking about, where you're completely surrounded and the ball is in your hand and it's above ben that line. No, Cutler. I saw Cutler do it once here, and it was. But he has that arm. He had that arm. He could with the flick of a wrist. He snapped it. Yeah, whip that thing down the floor. Yeah, he just I, snapped. I, I put it. Big Ben in that. Too. Well, there's like so many. The times point but, being is this guy's not there, yeah. and I want him in. If that's going to happen, I want him to hit the turf. Yeah. Uh, we still have to hear about the. This is a Judd quote, not ours. Top five dumb thing that he's ever done in his life earlier today. This is awful. And uh, the big news around the country here is the Kevin Durant injury. I, I want to ask you guys: Is the Kevin Durant injury somehow going to ripple effect its way to affect the Timberwolves? <laughs> I just want to see if there's. <laughs> of a path. course it will. If there's a path, something tells me you'll find a path. Yeah, Everything Judd, negative. <laughs> well, no, it might be a positive thing that results. <laughs> Mackie and Jeb with Rami on the all-new Score North. I was hurt, you know, of course. You know, I love KD, so. Um, but definitely from the standpoint of being a player that plays a physical sport, going out, um, you know, uh, when you're in pain or you're hurt, you know, I know what it's like to be out there. You know, you're giving everything you got for your team. And to see him go down is definitely, it's, you know, it's a little heartbreaking, but, uh, you know, prayers up for him. I know he's going to come back stronger, and he's, you know, he's still one of the best players in the NBA. So. That's Vikings wide receiver Stephon Diggs talking about Kevin Durant who uh, went down last night in Game 5 of the NBA Finals after he came back from what they were calling an ankle injury, and then he uh, tore his Achilles, or at least they think he tore his Achilles. They're waiting for confirmation on that from an MRI. And uh, that just, I don't care how you feel about Kevin Durant. I know he's rubbed some people the wrong way in the past, but that sucks. That that was not something that anybody should have enjoyed seeing last night. And it probably wipes out his entire 2019-20 season if probably. it's, if it's if, torn. Have yeah. we seen the news? Is it officially torn? I haven't seen the confirmation. Okay, he was flying to New York sometime today, and they were going to have an MRI. But but he's here's the other thing, too. A, a, this might be the end of Kevin Durant as the player that we know. Yep. 
It just might be. I mean, he's approaching 30, and it's a torn Achilles. And a torn Achilles 20 years ago, especially at that age, was probably a career ender. But even in today's modern medicine, a torn Achilles for a guy who's approaching 30, 31, that's a a hard thing to come back from. Mm -hmm. He's an elite athlete and maybe the best basketball player in the world. So if anybody can do it, it's probably that guy. But that's a tough thing to come back from for anyone. So he's got the opt-in to go back to Golden State now, correct? Which he'll probably use. I would absolutely use it if I'm him, man. And then come out after that. But also now, July 1st, what, what happens now? So that's, like Kyrie, Kyrie ain't going to be like, hey, dude, I'll wait a year for you and we can team up then. Yeah. Well, I actually, so my first thought was, is there any trickle-down effect to Timberwolves? And let me talk through a couple things here. Because okay. I think there are some trickle-down effects here to Timberwolves. The Timberwolves are obviously aren't in on Kevin Durant, or nor do they have the cap space. And even if they did, Is this going to be like six degrees of Kevin Bacon? A little bit. Okay. A little bit. Yep. <laughs> so number one, if it is a torn Achilles, he's not playing next year. Or he's not going to play for most of the regular season. into deep into the year. DeMarcus Cousins tore his Achilles. He came back. Let's assume he won't, though. Yeah. But DeMarcus came back and was, you know... A shell of himself. Yeah. Yeah. He's still... He's he's fine, but the, you know, in the playoffs... He won't be KD next year. No, he will not. Uh, so I think the question remains, how does he get his money? Does some team... Do the Knicks, do the Nets put... Say, hey, we've, we've got faith in you. We're going to gamble on this. We'll still give you the max contract. Just We'll just have to eat a year. But we'll eat a year to make sure that you're under contract with us for the next... Three years after that, but if it's a torn Achilles, Durant's not really going to play next year. Um, therefore, either the Warriors or another team is worse. And if the Warriors get worse, whether KD is just whether he opts in and is just sitting around, or whether he signs with another team and they lose Kevin Durant, the Warriors get older and they lose Kevin Durant, thus opening up the Western Conference. Now, I'm not saying the Wolves are the first team in line to step forward into that number one spot, but the Warriors are officially stepping back from their throne and the West is open for business. So that's that's thing number one as I look and say, how does this affect the Timberwolves? Number two, we had all these D'Angelo Russell rumors circulating in the last couple weeks that the Timberwolves are one of a few teams that might be interested in some sort of a sign-in trade or I don't know how they would pull it off into restricted free agency because they don't have the cap room to, to pay D'Angelo Russell $25 million. But I think this makes it even less likely that the Nets gamble on Kevin Durant. If it was kind of a Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant combo that would force them to trade D'Angelo Russell's contract, I don't think the Nets being in prime position in the Eastern Conference with a great organization and a bunch of good nucleus players, I think it's much less likely that they would say, all right, we're going to gamble on Kevin Durant and maybe risk blowing this whole thing up if he doesn't come back the way that you want him to. So therefore, I think unless the Nets would clear out D'Angelo Russell for like Jimmy Butler and Kyrie Irving, I think the Nets are going to sit on one max spot and match whatever offers there are for D'Angelo Russell. I think before, if they had a chance to get Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, they're open for business on D'Angelo Russell, and maybe the Timberwolves could have swung a three-way deal, figured out the cap situation. But now I I think you can kiss that goodbye. That's how I think it affects the Timberwolves. Yeah, I, I could very easily see that scenario playing out. Kevin Durant is off the free agent market. Like I said, if I, it would be insane for him not to take that $31 million option from the Warriors. So now the list of premier free agents got smaller by one and probably the biggest one on that list. And so, yeah, this is going to have ripple effects throughout the league and potentially the Wolves, the way that Phil just laid it out. 
Do you guys think there's fault here? I, yeah, yes. I really don't. Absolutely. On whom? He played. Like the So it's either his fault for coming back too early. Or, I, wouldn't, I don't blame him for that. And I'm not even, well, like, he gets he gets blamed for coming back too early and thus injuring himself. Now whether you know what like he might even say I don't care like it doesn't it doesn't matter I was going to come back and take the risk yeah and that's fine like I I wouldn't counter that argument when but you're if, playing for a championship this is cliche but there's literally no tomorrow if you lose that game last night there is literally no tomorrow and I can guarantee you the competitor that he is. That championship means as much to Kevin Durant whether free agency is looming or not. Mm-hmm. And he wants to come back and help his team get that championship. I don't fault the team if they medically cleared him and let him know all the risks involved with coming back for re-injury. I don't blame him for pushing himself and maybe coming back a little too soon. This is sports. This is what this is what it's all about. These guys have fought and competed and bled and sweat and cried their whole lives even those who already have the rings, to get to that point. Now I'm supposed to sit back and watch my team lose? Even though I've been medically cleared? To hell with that. But here's what I'm saying. I, I'm taking the question literally. It, he tore his Achilles, let's say, or he injured his Achilles. It, is there is there some factor that played into it that could have prevented it? And the answer is, hey, he clearly came back too early. It wasn't like he was 100%, but I'm with you on the other part of it. If you're the Warriors, let's take the Warriors side on this for a second. If you're the Warriors, and there's the kind of this gray area of he's got a calf, maybe like a calf Achilles strain. It's not torn. He sat out for what a month. He sat mm-hmm. out for a month, right? Yeah, or closer to six weeks. And it's you know he's like he could go out there. Probably don't want to ride him for forty eight minutes, but he could go out there. And there's some risk, but ultimately, you know, he's clear to go out there and play some minutes. And you have no real obligation beyond this year, maybe if he opts in next year, but you're trying to win now in the middle of your dynasty. You're trying to win right now. Right. I don't blame the Warriors for saying, all right, let's before this series gets out of hand, let's well before the series is over. Cause it was three, one let's roll the dice on this. And if you're Kevin Durant, what are the downsides? Well, you might lose out on a big max contract, but you know what? You've already made more money than you can ever want in your life. You've made generational money. So it's not, it's about the money to some extent, but like if that dude never made a dime the rest of his life, his, Great, great grandchildren will be fine. So if it's, if it's just about the Warriors want to win a title and KD wants to win a title and KD helps the Warriors accomplish that goal, and if he didn't play last night, they would not have won that game. He was so hot in the first quarter, mm-hmm. knocking down a couple threes. Like he, They don't win that game unless he plays the minutes that he played. Should they have spotted him a little bit, though? Because they basically came out and said, go ahead and play, and he didn't come out. Here's the, Okay, so here's the guy to me, though. That now has, and I'm sure this won't be discussed by him, but the guy who's got a really strong case is now what Kawhi did to the Spurs looks even more logical and from his point of, of view saying, because Kawhi basically said, your doctors are clearing me. I don't trust them. And this is going to be done on my timeline. And and I think a lot of us were, were like, whoa, that's sort of an Remember odd thing. Derek Rose when he was with the Bulls. Yes. He was medically cleared to come back from the knee injury. And he said, I know I'm medically cleared, but I'm not risking this just yeah. yet. LeBron yeah. James has his own doctor, too. And we criticized the them, though. Yeah. Derek Rose, Absolutely. Kawhi, as fans, we were all up in arms. Don't you want to help your team? And after seeing that, that last night, it certainly goes a long way towards saying about the player, you know what? They might have a damn good point. Because the Golden State... 
doctors at, at the end were going to do what was best for Golden State. Mm-hmm. And Phil's probably right. If KD does not play and they're done right now, you know, I'm sure the the Warriors players and brass aren't pleased now. But if you pumped him full of truth serum and said, okay, gentlemen, let's go back. Let's not play him. And he's basically done now for a long time, but you lose. It's going to be very tough, honestly, for them yeah. to say, you know what? I'd lose that game. They for, I, th- I think him being on the court in in just in presence and spirit and then him hitting a couple big shots early on. Went three for what, three from three-point land to yep. open the game, oh, basically. You're, you're right. The energy lift and then the threes that he hit are the reason why. I, no, I, I, if I had to pick right now, and I will, I guess, I think the Raptors close it out in the next game on the road. Three things have annoyed me in the aftermath of this Kevin Durant injury. One is what we were just talking about, and that is everybody wanting to blame or point fingers and why did this happen when it was just a guy competing Coming off an injury and it happened. He was everything. Everything was on the line. He risked it, and that was the result. So I don't think we need to blame anybody. Second thing is, I think people are being a little too hard on Toronto fans today. Because imagine yourself in that moment. I'm not saying I would have cheered an injury. I've never cheered an injury in my life, and I never want to see anybody get hurt. Not even St. Louis Cardinals players. Which, if you know me, that's saying something. But <laughs> first of all, in that moment, in that arena. There's a lot of energy flowing and a lot of emotion flowing. And the best player on the opposing team just went down and basically cleared the path for you to witness a championship being won that night. That's what they were cheering. That that, and the fact that on the other side of the court, while Kevin Durant was laying there holding his calf... Serge Ibaka was stealing the ball and I think making a basket. I don't, Actually, I don't he, got, he got fouled and missed the layup, if okay. I recall right. All right. So the, some of the cheers were for that. And then as KD was walking off the court, there were chants of KD and people cheering him and appreciating what a great player he was. But even all that being said, that happens in almost any arena. The people cheering KD's injury last night happens in any arena. Get off your high horse. If you're a Wolves fan, if you're a Bulls fan, a Knicks fan, whatever. Get, that happens in almost any arena when a fan base in that emotionally charged a situation sees a path to championship cleared right in front of them. There was the dude, and they're showing it right now who over stood your shoulder. Up the guy who stood up with his drink and like waved goodbye. Waved at yeah, that, guy's, uh, that guy can go take a, but, take a hike. But we but. thought the Canadians were so nice, Rami. They're not. That was I've the thing. plenty. They're not. I must have heard that a thousand times. We all thought Canadians were the greatest people yeah. on the face of the earth. But sports fans in general will stab you in the back if they... Of course they will. The third, Let's thing, be about the third thing that's annoying me, the aftermath of this Kevin Durant injury, and it's it's wrapped up in one headline from Marcus Thompson at The Athletic. Kevin Durant just proved that so many over all these years were so wrong about him. And the first line in his article says, Durant was proving all his critics wrong again in Game 5. Then he suffered an Achilles injury, which broke his teammates' hearts. Did anybody ever question whether Kevin Durant loves basketball? People whether have. he was competitive? Because he's odd. he was really injured? Like, yes. I take an issue with Kevin Durant being petty, with starting burner accounts to argue with 14-year-olds on Twitter, with taking issue with the media for simply doing their job and reporting on where he may play next year. But I never questioned his competitive spirit. I never questioned whether he was injured. I never questioned whether he loved basketball. He didn't prove anything wrong last night in terms of the criticisms that I and most people have had about him. I think it's really easy in 
2019 to cherry pick if one talking head with a microphone or even just like anyone with a social media account has an opinion on something. If you're one in 10 million, it's really easy to pick out the one in 10 million and make it seem like it's actually 20 million people that have the same opinion. The one place, though, uh, to, to go back where blame could ultimately be assessed is that there were a lot of people who think that Golden State knew that this was an Achilles from day one and that they fudged it. And if they did and put him back there with, with an Achilles, that's a real problem. But he knew. He knew. But that's a problem on both sides, though. But it's Right, but at some point in time, you got to say, dude, I'm sorry, you just can't play. Yeah. You just can't play. The one thing I want, though, ABC, ESPN, can we please create another cable channel for, for these games where they don't bleep out every time there's swear words? Like when Durant's walking back to the tunnel and he yells the F-bomb at the and top Doris of And Doris Burke was doing an update last night and they cut it off because uh, I'm guessing somebody behind her within her cam or her uh, microphone range swore I can take it okay I'm almost 50 an <laughs> f-bomb's not going to offend me I'd rather hear the f-bomb than here go and he's going to I know no, you know come well, on I mean this is a whole other can of worms of like is it the George Carlin bit like why why have we decided that like that word is yeah. A word that cannot be heard by children, right? But if it, what if we all just said, you know what? It's okay. So let's let's uh, stop being offended by that by that word. And I can see if there's like, you know, words that have racial, sure, you know, racist power behind them. Sure, I don't think that's one of those words though. No, it's just kind of a fun. It's kind of a fun. Oh, word. I love that word. It's a great word. It's one of my favorite words. It's a great word. Agreed. I use it more than any other word yeah. when these mics are not. <laughs> I'm with you. In fact, we're going to go to break just so you can unleash a few I'm, of those oh, right now. I'm going to unleash. It'd be great. And I, I think we I, maybe you can tell the the top five dumb thing you've done to Roycey when we come back. It'll be kind of fun. <laughs> He'll enjoy it. Okay. Let's talk about Federated Mutual Insurance Company here and how they are helping business owners through the day-to-day and through the long term on a regular basis here. That roller coaster ride and that never-ending sea of problems and also the exhilaration of those incremental wins as a business owner. If you're a business owner... I highly recommend getting to know Federated Mutual Insurance Company, which has over a century of experience in protecting businesses and making them as successful as they can be. You want a company like Federated standing behind your business and helping you excel in all areas that uh, all the tentacles and different branches that come out of the core of your business. Federated is not just a policy. Federated is a a full blanket. Federatedinsurance.com to find your local marketing rep. And uh, don't forget, Federated Insurance, it's our business to protect yours. Mackie and Jeb with Rami. Thank you, Jonathan. All right, we wrap with Roycey every day on the show. And Pat, we want to we actually want to clear the way for Judd here for a second because he has a story, his words, not mine, one of the top five dumbest things he's ever done in his life today. And so we'd, okay. let, we'd like him to tell this story. I'll tell it quickly. Maybe we can uh, chime in with dumb things that we've done. <laughs> You know, even if it was top five this month, that would be impressive. So uh, let's go. Uh, it's it's another sign as I near fifty, Pat. So I yeah, I, I right. went to the Vikings. I feel sorry for you. Thanks. Yeah. I went to the Vikings yeah. t- uh, today and stopped in the uh, washroom before I left, and I washed my hands. And as I'm walking out to my car, I realize I have no clue where my keys are. 
So I take uh, out okay. my backpack. I go through my backpack mm-hmm. where I nearly put my keys. I can't find them. I, I go, I they're look on, on the counter. They're on the sink. I've no, done that many times. No, 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 no. That wouldn't be top five dumb. That would be an honest mistake. I finally resorted to looking through the trash in the men's bathroom when I okay. realized that with the paper towel, I had thrown my keys away, not realized it, <laughs> and walked away. Yeah, yeah that, that stuff happens. I find them in the refrigerator every once in a while. I once. Is this what I got to look forward to? When I'm reaching in to get my Diet Coke for the morning trip, I once in a while have to retreat into the house, and there they are, getting a little uh, frigid, uh, uh, you know, so they are too hot when you put them in the ignition there. So you got it's going to get worse, baby, instead of it getting this. It's not going to get better out here, Dia. By the way, uh, to talk about sports, uh, Spielman and uh, Brzezinski win again. Huh? They called Rudolph's bluff. They end up getting him, what, getting him to basically, they get control of him for four years and he only gets uh, another million and a quarter guaranteed. Or it's something. a two-year contract, basically. Yeah, yeah. next year is pretty yeah, much guaranteed. Too. Year, yeah, but the second-year contract's only guaranteed against injury, right? If they want to cut him, they still can. Yes. I think that's what I saw. If, they, if it's only guaranteed, they, they would get hurt in training camp or something. They always win, Pat. You know that. Yeah, they always win because... Uh, he wanted to stay, you know, and they knew he wanted to stay, so they just they just outlasted him. Now we don't have any idea what is how much they're saving on the cap, right? By putting this out over four years, what 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 did they? How much cap room did they create? Four mil, I think, according to Pelissero. Yeah, four oh, million. Really? Yep. Four mil? yep. Okay. All right. So uh, so he's uh, they can they can still pay him nine. He can still get nine this year, but. They can they can prorate that cap hit for the whole four years. Is that how that works? Uh yeah, I think contract? so. Yeah, that yeah. sounds right. So they're going to have so if it, if he plays two years, they're going to have two years of dead money after that. Then right, so some dead you know three million that's not being paid to him or something that's part of the cap hit. But uh, they win and uh, they you know they needed him, so uh, that's you know you couldn't rely on. Collar did uh, some great stuff uh, a while back on how little impact rookie tight ends have. So this idea that Herb Smith was going to come in and replace uh, Rudolph as a threat was uh, kind of a long shot, to say the least. So now Herb Smith can be just a nice extra receiver instead of a guy you have to rely on. Uh, Pat, percent chance, now that the Vikings have finalized their roster here with, with Kyle Rudolph, uh, percent chance they win the Super Bowl in 2019-20 here? Oh, uh, 8%. 8? 8%. That's pretty high. That is pretty 8%. high. Well, they're going to be in the playoffs. They're going to make, they're make the playoffs, I think. They, they have a good enough roster. Unless Zim, Zim screws it up badly or something. Uh, unless they get a bunch. You know, there's always injuries if they get a bunch of injuries. They had a pretty good year as far as injuries were concerned last year. You know, if Dalvin Cook plays his usual three games, then uh, they're not. They're probably not going to. But uh, they, I think they're a playoff team. I, I do. I, I think they're better than the Packers. I think the Packers have had a lousy off season, and uh, and that uh, you know the Bears and the Vikings are the two playoff teams out of the the, uh, the NFC North. Would you say they're a playoff team without Kyle Rudolph? Yeah, less I'd say five percent Super Bowl champions, and uh, but they still have a chance. They're going to go to the Super Bowl, and I mean they're going to go to the playoffs because of their defense more than their offense. I think so. Anyway, 
it's going to be interesting, though, uh, when they need the big cap money next year. Uh, we were talking it over. Manny and I were talking it over this morning. My prediction, Xavier Rhodes is the guy who gets the axe next year. Oh, yeah. That makes sense. Definitely. You know, he'll be he'll be 30. He'll be making big money. And uh, unless he has a phenomenal senior season, uh, he looks to be he's probably going to be the guy that ends up uh, getting gas. Who's gone, Pat? Guess. Rhodes is gone. Griffin's gone. Wayne's probably walks and gets a big contract elsewhere. I don't know if you'll get a big contract. He might get a nice contract. I don't know if you'll get a big one. But Griffin, I, that Griffin coming back is still the shock of the year for me. I, I was very surprised they brought him back. That was uh, that was the one that surprised me. But uh, uh, yeah, you know they they got a with with the, the increased salaries they're going to have to pay from uh, younger guys that. They got to get rid of somebody big next year, and I would think it'd be Rhodes. I don't think Rhodes will have the same loyalty as Anthony Barr. Do you? No, probably not. I, I, I probably not. He's, I don't think he's going to be interested in doing business. Right he's now. getting old too. I, I, for a corner, he's getting old. Yeah, yeah, he's thirty. So anyway, but mm. they got everybody. There's no excuses. They got everybody back. So let's uh, let's see what you got. They lost Sheldon Richardson, and who else is that about it? Right. Yeah, it's the yeah, key I think one. That's it. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Pat, well, the, uh, uh, the the bo- the Bomba squad is back in the Twin Cities tonight, and uh, what yeah, do you think? We can tell because it's freezing and cloudy. We <laughs> <laughs> can tell they're back. We can tell they weren't home. Ah, uh, boy, I'll tell you this: this Seattle. What's the stat on their record since their thirteen and two start? What is it? <laughs> it's like, awful. It's not very like good. Thirteen and. 435 or something, thing like that. It's unbelievable. An all-time team. rotten it. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it was unbelievable. I wonder and, how many uh, Seattle fans bought season tickets two weeks into the season, <laughs> thinking, yes, all right, unexpected surprise. Well, I I don't know. It's, uh, you know it was a hot, it was a terrific baseball town for about Almost a decade. I'm junior, and first, you know, A-Rod was there for a while, and they, you know, then A-Rod left, and they won 116 games, and uh, that place was hopping, but it was only about 10 years. So, started in the Kingdom, ended in uh, one of my favorite ballparks. Uh, what do we call Safeco now? We got a different name for it, right? It's uh, T-Mobile Park. T-Mobile, okay. I, I have a hard time keeping track of that stuff, but uh, I, I like that ballpark. It's one of the better domes because you can... Uh, you know, you get a sense that you're, uh, you know, you, it's not an airplane hangar quite like uh, some of the other ones. I, I like that place. Plus, Seattle, you got to have one because it rains, you know, a- April and May and September. It rains all the time. So, Wait, so, Pat, you're telling me you can you can have a retractable roof <laughs> and see the skyline over over the, the over the stadium? Is that what you're telling me? Well, uh, yeah, I, I'm telling Whoa. you that. But they also one one other reason is they build it on more than twelve acres. So uh, that's, that's another. Uh, you know, I, I think that I really think uh, that the, uh, the target field could handle a retractable roof as long as we have really high powered helicopters that can hover over the stadium. Uh, during the games when we need it, and then they can take off with the roof. Whatever it takes. Because that's, that's the only room you got for it. Uh, Whatever it takes. Is, is, <laughs> to do that, yes. That's, yeah. that's true. You'd love Texas, by the way. They're uh, 
the stadium they built in 1994 being replaced by a dome right next door. Yeah. That's amazing. That's, makes, it makes sense. Near this, it looks almost identical, except there's going to be a, a retractable roof on it. They, apparently, they were making the tax that they had applied. I don't know how they were paying for it. It has a damn much money in it that they just extended that thing, and they pretty much had about a billion dollars to spend. So they said, well, we might as well build a new ballpark. We don't need one, but why not build one? Yeah. Pat, what's coming up on Royce Young Baseball tonight? Uh, Manny and I have a great conversation. We kind of tied in with Poppy. We start off about how I have this opinion that the most underrated thing that's, that's overlooked in baseball in the last quarter century and maybe the greatest thing in the last quarter century is the Red Sox comeback in uh, the, the ALCS in 2004. We don't, we've spent too much time worrying about the World Series, not a much time, enough time remembering that uh, comeback that, of course, Big Poppy was a big part of. Yeah. We'll talk about that for a little while. And then we got uh, a great conversation with Buster and uh, a little other conversation about the College World Series and things like that afterwards. So awesome. That's what we have going. All right. We'll see you tomorrow, Pat. All right, yes. See you. All right, uh, Patrick Royce. Real quick, what were what was the dumb thing that that you did? I uh, once was looking for my remote control for hours, hours. And you know when you can't find something and you know it's somewhere in your house and it absolutely drives you nuts. Like I thought I was going crazy. I was getting legitimately upset at myself. It was in the freezer. <laughs> it was in the freezer. It was pretty good. Did you find it on purpose or accidentally? I think I was going to get some ice cream or something, probably, or making a pizza, and I was like, oh, look at that. There's my remote. I don't have to get up off the couch anymore to change the channel. Just have to be chilling, It's huh? amazing. Uh, my poll that I put up at the start of the show about how short you wear your shorts, 6%, or I'm sorry, 9% say below the knee, 40% at the knee, 44% just above the knee, and 7% of 372 voters show little thigh. Stefan Diggs, come on down. <laughs> it's thigh showing season. Find our podcast, Mackie and Jeb with Rami, anywhere you find podcasts. The Scornoth mobile app is a great place to start. Royce on Baseball, the Scornoth Twin Show is next. Zolgad, um, I'll talk to you later. Bye.